Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. It's good to be back, boys. Let's get weird. John, heads or tails? Mitch, give me head. Give me heads. <laughs> it's heads. Yes, I love heads. Uh, of course. All right, that's the last time John gets to call a coin. <laughs> All right, KJ Hamler wants to be Russell Wilson's new Tyler Lockett. Judy's in a bit of trouble. Are you buying the narrative here that uh, Hamler has a path to fantasy relevance? I mean, he's screaming up the uh, fantasy charts right now. He's up 16 spots on keep trade cut, putting him at wide receiver 72. That's worth uh, 3.01 allegedly in a 2022 rookie draft. John, is he on your board too? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think KJ Hamler is going to be fantasy relevant. And I know this is a hot take right here at the beginning of the episode, uh, but I think there's just going to be way too much competition there. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, even Tim Patrick is a sneaky little guy in that offense, uh, not to mention the running backs they got back there. Uh, got a got a new tight end. I like KJ Hamler to help his team. I don't think he's going to be Tyler Lockett for Russell Wilson. Sorry. I'm going to pass on that one. All right. Tarek or Trey, one of you going to stand up for our guy KJ here? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Best. here, here, here's how I will not answer this uh, coin toss. I've seen a lot of uh, chatter on the Twitter sphere about, like, why is Jahan Dotson uh, a better prospect than KJ Hamler, right? Um, because, you know, KJ Hamler had earlier production um, and Jahan Dotson, you know, didn't really hit those, you know, yards per team pass attempt marks that we like to see. And I, I think a little bit of that is helmet scouting, right? That's so I think if you're scouting, trying yeah. to rehab KJ Hamler through the lens of Jahan Dotson, uh, you're guilty of helmet scouting. Um, and secondly, yeah, like they're just completely different players. Like KJ Hamler is a speed slot who's suffered a lot of injuries over the last few years. And Jahan Dotson is more of kind of like a Swiss army knife. He can run routes. He can, he's got really good hands, right? So while I think they're the similar size and they may have kind of a similar production profile, even though KJ Hamler, I believe was an early declare, don't fall into that trap right don't use that as a reason to boost kj hamler or a reason to fade Jahan dotson yeah i'll say if you think you can get 301 for kj hamler you should smash that deal all day long yeah guys you're not gonna believe this so i just i just looked this up kj hamler so do you know what the j in kj stands for tell us uh, Jahan dotson whoa really yeah, that no, is amazing. They are they are actually the same guy. Now, now, K. Me, Jahan Dotson Hamler. There is a hyphen. It. How's that for helmet scouting? That makes I've never <laughs> seen them in the same place at the same time. This makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, because KJ Hamler hasn't really played in the NFL, right? So who's to say he was actually on the Denver sideline? Weren't they literally on the Penn State team at the same time? Like two years ago, who could say? But Trey, nobody watched those games. So, who, like, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, come on. Oh, John, I thought you were a Big Ten guy. <laughs> Big Ten West. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> these are these are great jokes. Are they? No, you're, this is all getting cut.
What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to episode 55. That's 5-5 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. A weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibin Shuya. And after a week off with me today, we got a full house. You know, we took a week off, so it's on us to get a full house in the building. Got with me John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. What is going on, Mitch Yates? What's up? It feels like it's been a while. Uh, well, I guess it has been. I missed last week and the week before, so good to be back. Uh, yeah, I'm excited as hell for startup season. Uh, we're in, I'm in two currently right now, and they are like the slowest drafts ever. So having a blast, making a lot of trades. Uh, tis the season. Yeah, you know, my uh, my nickname is Angry T, right? And I, I feel like I'm pretty mild-mannered on the podcast here. Um, but, you know, John, Mitch, and Trey will tell you that I, I can be a frustrated man. And uh, my frustratedness really really comes out in slow drafts. I am an impatient, angry man. So yeah, Tarek, I think it's I think it's safe to say that slow drafts may not be in your constitution, you know, and, and that's okay. Right. They're, they're not for everybody. <laughs> right. But I do it every year. You know, I put myself through it. It's it's good for the character. That's right. That's right. I think you've it's accosted important. every manager so far. At least, you know, like you're you're just setting the table here. Luckily, luckily, those delays weren't any thanks to uh, to me or Mitch there. So uh, we're, you know, accosted undeservingly. So. <laughs> John, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, I went because of startup season, because of this episode, I went through and I updated my ranks here. And I am happy to report, and this is for Mitch, that I have Zay Jones by happy accident at wide receiver 69. And yes. something about that, something about that just feels right to me. So I feel I have a good feeling about how startup season is going to go for me. Pride of Austin, Texas, Zay Jones. Uh, so yeah, it is startup season. And, you know, leading up to this episode uh, with our week off, we kind of took the time to incorporate the rookies into our overall ranks. Um, and since we're kind of wrapping up peak rookie draft season, obviously a lot of people still have rookie drafts to do, but the peak season is over. So we're kind of moving into startup season uh, we just started our third TLG league, uh, which is actually a 14-team Superflex tight end premium league. But the wrinkle here, other than it being 14 teams, is that there's no designated tight end spot, right? We just have four flexes, and while there is a 0.5 premium for tight ends, you know, you don't have to start a tight end if you don't want to. So first off, shout out to those guys who answered the call and joined up. Y'all have been a really fun group. Uh, I apologize for my anger in the chat. It's all in good fun. But, you know, as we kind of turn the calendar to startup season, I kind of wanted to take the opportunity to talk about this new wrinkle that we've added. Like, what do you think of it so far, not having a tight end spot um, and just keeping the premium, but just basically having pass catchers instead of tight ends? Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying it, and uh, you know I, I advocated for this rule change going into the uh, the startup draft. I mean, this is definitely something we've heard. You know, Chris Harris and other guys say, let's just punt the tight end position entirely. Let's just turn it into another pass catcher. You know, for the NFL and for your uh, your fantasy ranks. So I'm I'm cool with it. Uh, we've definitely seen a few tight ends go off the board early. You know, names you would expect like Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. 
We've seen some guys still go the bully tight end route, which, you know, you're not really getting that positional advantage, but you do get that premium right from the scoring setup. You know, I'm kind of seeing it as an opportunity to to really wait, which is something I've, you know, kind of liked doing a little bit more anyway in our tight end premium drafts. And now, you know, I think because you're getting that premium in the scoring, you're going to get more tight ends that are actually like flex relevant than you are, you know, starter worthy tight ends. So I think there's going to be some value to be found in, you know, rounds 10 and later. Yeah, I, there there is one manager in there. Uh, shout out to to Tyler who did draft Mark Andrews in the second and Travis Kelsey, Kelsey in the fourth, which like if you expect Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey to kind of finish among if in PPR scoring around the top 12 to 15 receivers and you get that premium, you can justify it. You know, the reason why I would personally stray away from doing that is because you only have four slots you can start them in. Like you kind of locked up two of your four flexes, right? Whereas the running backs and receivers, you know, you have you have six spots to fill, like if you want, right? So I'm a big fan in in formats like this where there's a little bit of wrinkle. And maybe it's because I don't fully know how to handle it. I'm a big fan of like maximizing my flexibility. Yeah. Well, I, I, well, I don't want to give away too much of our strategy here, but I, <laughs> yeah, we're only, we're only five rounds deep. Yeah, exactly. I, I tend to agree that the, uh, the Titan is off of our radar for the most part now. And I can say that because mo- all the good, like the top four or five are gone. Right. And so like Trey said, I think it helps juice the tight ends later, but it, I'm not willing to go elite tight end in this format just because it doesn't help me with flexibility. And so we're talking about a 14-team league here. I'm far more concerned with filling positions that are going to be scarce as hell, like the quarterback, which uh, in a uh, 14-team league, super flex, those quarterbacks are going to dry up really, really quickly. So... Trey and I co-managing our team, we went with the Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers route and uh, feeling pretty good about that start. So we'll see where the draft takes us. I like it a lot because we got, you know, baby Aaron Rodgers, right? Herbie. And then we got uh, old man Aaron Rodgers, which is the actual Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, it's a pretty, pretty decent build and pretty Aaron Rodgers heavy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Justin Herbert learning from Aaron Rodgers. I think he, he has a that's going to be a good mentorship there. I think so. I, I'm liking the locker room uh, environment that we're building there. <laughs> yeah, uh, me and John are going with the we're co-managing a team and we are going with the we're going to live forever approach. Uh, so our only quarterback through uh, four rounds and we're actually on the clock for our fifth pick is Jalen Hurts. So we are going to live forever, baby. We're never going to get old. Well, J- so. J- Jalen Hurts is as good as two quarterbacks, right? So, I mean, come on. Exactly. Top five quarterback in 2022. Let's go. All right. Anyway, today on the show, for the rest of the show, like I said, we did that exercise of incorporating the rookies into our overall positional ranks over the last week. So let's use this as an entry point into kind of discussing rookie value in relation to the rest of the field of veterans, as well as in relation to the market, you know, whether that's keep trade cut or uh, Adeco's ADP at Adeco FF on Twitter, you know, what are the macro trends we're noticing as we're putting the rec- the rookies into the field? What are kind of the value points for veterans and rookies alike? And, you know, do we think 
the market is too high or low on certain guys. Are we too high or low? We can kind of debate each other and we'll kind of go position by position and discuss. So to kick off this first half, we're going to talk about the wide receivers and the tight ends, starting with the wide receivers. Guys, what did you notice when uh, inserting the rookie receivers, which is a, a pretty good class at the top into the overall receiver ranks? Well, uh, what I noticed was there's obviously a clear tier the top two, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. But after that, it's like this huge tier from wide receiver three to 16 or 15. And I've heard this from a lot of different fantasy analysts. So when I was trying to figure out where to put my first wide receiver, uh, that's a rookie, Garrett Wilson, I put him right there at wide receiver 16 because um, I felt really good about the 15 guys ahead of him. And then after that is where we start getting guys where I've got questions, you know, like... Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, like the guys you feel really good about, but you got questions about them. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 16. And based on what I've seen, that's pretty close to where he's going in a lot of startups. Uh, he's not going as the wide receiver one in most startups. I've uh, Drake London, who was the first one taken off the board in the real NFL drafts going first. Uh, but I think that the big takeaway that I have here is that I didn't have a single guy, obviously, as a wide receiver one that's a rookie, which is different than last year from Jamar Chase. Uh, the other big takeaway was that I've got four guys in the 16 to 24 range and another three more from 25 to 36. So that's seven guys total uh, amongst my wide receivers that are either a wide receiver two or wide receiver three. Um, and that really underscores the point that we were making pre-draft that this this was a draft without a top tier guy. But there's a lot of depth. And I think that comes through in the rookie drafts we've seen as well, because all seven of those guys that I have in the top 36, those are the same guys that are going that we usually see go in round one of your rookie drafts. Yeah, John, I'm, I'm seeing the ranks kind of uh, uh, play out similarly for me as well. Um, I don't have my first uh, rookie ranked until wide receiver 18. So right after you, and that's where I have Drake London. Uh, to me, I'm kind of looking at a clump of, like guys from last year, uh, Elijah Moore and Devonte yep. Smith. I think that is kind of a, a, an inflection point that I'm struggling with right now because I've got the three rookies clumped together. I've got a London Burks, Wilson, 18, 19, 20. And I'm like deciding, do I want to put them ahead of or behind Elijah Moore and Devonte Smith, uh, guys that performed really well from last year, but you know, now have added competition in the way of, uh, AJ Brown and, uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, which we saw on draft day. That's that's funny, Trey. I actually sandwiched Drake London in between those two. Uh, mm -hmm. He's behind Elijah Moore, but ahead of Devonta Smith. So I think what we're all saying, all of our ranks are actually pretty similar here, is that they are wide receiver twos, and it is really close and difficult to uh, you know split hairs on who's where. Uh, I think my real takeaway, though, is where London is getting drafted in startups i think he's being overdrafted and ever so slightly i think players like dj moore and deontay johnson should be going ahead of drake london easily and i feel like people are just either trading up for drake london or just reaching with that rookie fever no the rookie fever is strong right now i just uh looking at keep trade cut drake london's all the way up to wide receiver 12 which i think we would all agree is probably too high well that's a wide receiver one it's too high, right? I, I mean, I remember around like this time last year, you know, Jamar Chase was kind of getting into that low end wide receiver one territory. 
Uh, and we had had him there we did. Uh, since like before the NFL draft, right? But like Jamar Chase and Drake London just aren't on the same planet no. prospect wise, you know? So um, I, I definitely think it's too low. You know, it's it's really interesting because you have this grouping kind of, it's like between wide receiver three and 14, like John said, it's a, it's a massive tier. And then where the break is, is precisely this, what Trey called the inflection point between Elijah Moore, Devonte Smith on the one hand. And I think also Chris Godwin is kind of in there for mm-hmm. all of us because yeah, of that injury that risk. And then it's like the, the, the rookies as well as like kind of uh, players like Michael Pittman and Rashad Bateman, who Bateman, you know, had an ascendance because of the trade and Pittman had a really strong second year. So there's like this this next year kind of between 15 and 24 that is really, really difficult to parse out. And I think it's worth mentioning that me, John and uh, sorry, me, Mitch and Trey, we all are currently deferring to the second year players. And John is the one who is with market in terms of keep trade cut and has the rookies uh, kind of especially like Garrett Wilson, I believe, slightly ahead of Elijah Moore and Devontae Smith. So I actually wanted to since, John, you're kind of the odd man out on that, but you're also with the market. Talk about your process there. Well, first off, I'm going to take my temperature because I didn't realize I had the rookie fever, but now. It is now that you mention it. It Ooh, is yeah. a little warm in here. It's heating like, up in here. That's right. I'm feeling a little flushed. No, I think that Garrett Wilson specifically versus Elijah Moore is an interesting question because I think in order to take Elijah Moore before Garrett Wilson and say like a startup, you have to be thinking that Elijah Moore is the clear cut wide receiver one for that team, and I don't think that's the case. Elijah Moore has the second round draft capital. And if they thought that Elijah Moore was the clear-cut wide receiver one, would they have taken a, another wide receiver with the 10th overall pick? I just don't think that's the case. I think Garrett Wilson, maybe not this year, as long as uh, Corey Davis is still around, I think that Corey Davis is going to play a role. And maybe Garrett Wilson is not the wide receiver one this year, but I think that's his destiny. I think that's what they want him to be on that team with Elijah Moore playing second fiddle. And I think that's great because I think that would be good for both of them. I think that's what uh, Garrett, I think that's what would be good for Elijah Moore playing out of the slot, Garrett Wilson on the outside. But I am not comfortable taking Elijah Moore as wide receiver 16, 17, or 18 if I know that eventually he's going to be the wide receiver two for that team because... Honestly, I just don't have that much faith in Zach Wilson. Like, I don't think there's a lot of room for fantasy relevance for two guys on that Jets offense. Sounds to me, John, that you think Garrett Wilson's value is going to drop a little bit then. Because if Corey Davis is out there eating his lunch uh, halfway through his rookie year, uh, I don't know. That that sounds like uh, you're prepared at least for Elijah Moore to be better this year than Garrett Wilson. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I think that's a very likely scenario, yes, this season. I mean, so from a value standpoint, then, like, I don't know, for me, I I think it's a little bit of a mischaracterization to think, okay, you're making the bet that Elijah Moore is the wide receiver one. And, okay, maybe. But I think what I'm doing by having Elijah Moore ahead of Garrett Wilson is I've seen Elijah Moore ball out 
And maybe it was, you know, it was a short sample size. But if you look at the reception perception numbers, you look at that five game stretch kind of in the middle of the season, I've seen him succeed at a really high level on the NFL field. And while I think Garrett Wilson as a top 10 pick, um, you know, with a solid college production profile, I liked his film. While I think he is also going to be a great NFL player, ultimately, I do not know. Right. So. While, you know, it's interesting because John is usually kind of the wait and see type manager. Like, I want to see them do it on an NFL field first. And I've seen Elijah Moore, like, play really well, right? So I'm deferring to that for now. But Garrett Wilson, he's got just as much, if not more, upside. So I can understand having him ranked ahead, and I understand where the market is at. I feel like this is our new Sutton Judy debate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, look, I, w- I was saying, you know, for weeks before the NFL draft, buy the Elijah Moore dip, buy the Elijah Moore dip. And here he is on Keep Trade Cut at wide receiver 24 25. That's a dip, and I want to buy it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I'd say the difference between Sutton and Judy is that uh, these two receivers are actually uh, good. Ooh. Well, the, the the better the better analogy might be first round, second round, Ayuk versus Debo, right? Um, where Debo yeah, ultimately yeah. took as the second rounder, ultimately ended up being the better guy of the two last season. So it'll be inter- It's something to monitor for sure. Um, I don't think that both guys are going to be fantasy relevant next year. So it's just a matter of which one it is. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of waxed poetic about these top three or four guys. I'm interested where you guys are slotting in like the next three, which is commonly Jamison Williams, Chris Olave and Sky Moore. Like, do you have them clumped together in your ranks? Are they kind of separated uh, between veterans or like how, how are y'all kind of putting in that next tier of players, which could also include guys like George Pickens and Jahan Dotson, if you are so inclined. For me, I have Chris Olave, Sky Moore, and George Pickens in one big clump at wide receiver 31, 32, and 33. J-Mo, Jamison Williams, it looks like I have him much lower than you guys. No, not Tarek. Uh, let me just not do that. Uh, it looks like Jamison Williams is lower than John and lower than Trey, but a little bit higher than Tarek here. So I have him at wide receiver 27. I think it's it's tough to place him, and it's probably because of the injury, but I have him one spot behind Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, and Keenan Allen, guys that I know are going to be like assets next year. Yeah, they're so, producers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... And then Olave, Moore, and Pickens are behind uh, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, and Cortland Sutton. I think that represents another another case where I've seen the guys ahead of them perform, and they have the upside, as were the rookies. I, I would just like to wait a little bit to see with these guys specifically. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like value-wise, it's all pretty close in this range. Like anywhere from about 23 to probably about 30, I think it's it's pretty tight. So I, a lot of it, I think, is going to be based on team need, right? Like, do you need somebody who's more of a producer versus, uh, you know, a growth piece, right, for your rebuilder? And uh, honestly, like, if you can get some good production out of Jamison Williams, like some of the names you mentioned, like, uh, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, even though I may have JMO right above those guys right now, if I was in more of a position to compete, I might be thinking about making a trade. 
Yeah, you know, one thing that um, is not necessarily rookie related, but I kind of noticed from doing this exercise is uh, I'm I'm rising on Mike Williams uh, and at the Chargers. Yeah. I, I think like as I kind of reflected on what the Chargers did in the draft and in free agency, like Mike Williams' status as a new kind of twenty million dollar per year man has not been significantly challenged, right? We, we should expect Justin Herbert to just keep getting better, right? So I think I have Mike Williams at wide receiver 31 right now, um, but I can see moving him up into the top 24. Uh, I'm, 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 I feel like in the early offseason, I thought the Mike Williams ascension was a little bit optimistic, but maybe that was because I was hedging um, the the potentiality of the Chargers going after a Chris Olave or a Jamison Williams, right? Um, but now that they're they're kind of set in their receiver rotation, uh, I'm 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 targeting Mike Williams as like a wide receiver to flex on my dynasty teams. I love that. I, I've got him at 29, so I, I I'm I'm right there with you. I think it's interesting though. Olave versus Mike Williams is. Definitely a flashpoint on all four of our ranks because they're so yeah. close together. Tarek and I have Mike Williams ahead of Olave, but John and Trey, you have Olave ahead of Mike Williams. By one spot, but yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what? He's right. ahead. And, and part of that for me is, you know, like wide receiver twos. I think I'm sure I'm ripping this off from somewhere on, on Twitter, but wide receiver twos don't win your league, right? Like what you need is that top in production. And I think, you know, you could potentially get a low end wide receiver one season out of Williams especially if, you know, Keenan Allen starts to decline or misses time with injury or something. But, you know, Olave is going into a, a new situation. He's a prospect I was pretty high on through the process. I'd be willing to take the risk of the unknown of that upside where I think there's a little bit more variance where with Mike Williams, I think we know who he is at this point for the most part. And I thought for I sure. knew who he was and then and then I didn't. And now I don't. <laughs> he definitely surprised a lot of people last year. Fourth, fifth year breakout. Uh, just one last thought before we wrap this up. Uh, last year, at this time last year, I posed the question, could you trade Jamar Chase for DeAndre Hopkins? And the answer we ultimately came to is, no, you can't make that trade. Like, it's Jamar, it's Jamar all day, Jamar Chase over yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Today, I asked myself the same question, but with these rookies, and it came down to, I would take every single one of these rookies over DeAndre Hopkins right now, except for maybe like George Pickens. So... Like DeAndre Hopkins has fallen really far in my ranks, uh, and I'm not sure what to make of that. But I think it probably means that these rookies are maybe better than we were expecting them to be, or yeah. maybe I maybe that that heat that fever. I need the I need the thermometer. Could be the PEDs <laughs> too. I mean, you know, yeah, missing missing time at his age isn't great. Yeah, it looks like Hopkins has kind of dropped down to around wide receiver forty for all of us, right? So. Um, yeah, I would personally, in most situations, rather have George Pickens. So yeah, the fall of Nook, and he could he could prove us wrong, you know. But he's missing six games, and obviously, you know, he's he's past thirty. So, all right, let's move on to this next position. Let's talk about the tight ends and where they kind of fit into the ranks. And you know, I mean, there's really one guy in a tier of his own here, and that's Trey McBride, and. He's shaking out on keep trade cut at tight end 13 right now, which when I first looked at it, I was like, that seems a little optimistic to me. 
and I conveniently kind of forgot where I slotted him in in my own ranks. And I actually have him at tight end 15, right? So only two spots behind the keep trade cut rank. But then I looked at the the players I have in front of him. <laughs> Albert O, Dalton Schultz, Cole Komet, Mike Gesicki, Dawson Knox. I have those four players in front of Trey McBride right now. And then at tight end nine, I have Pat Fryermuth above that, Noah Fant. So I, there's a hard stop at tight end nine for me because I clearly prefer Pat Fryermuth and Noah Fant to Trey McBride right now. But I could easily see, and I probably will move Trey McBride up at least one or two spots. I could easily see him going all the way up to tight end 10. Um, so as a kind of launching off point or point of discussion, I first thought Trey McBride was being overvalued. Then I did some self-reflection in terms of my own tight end ranks, and I think it's fine. Yeah, what it reminds me of is uh, last year when we were uh, kind of appalled at Mitch's ranking of, uh, of Rob Gronkowski at like 12 or 13 or whatever. But then you, when you really look at how much the, the tight end position drops off after those, you know, top eight or nine, like it's kind of like anything goes there. So, um, yeah. no, I, I don't think it's crazy. I actually have McBride at 15. The, the one that is interesting to me is Trey McBride versus his teammate, Zach Ertz, who actually have slotted in a position ahead at, at 14 in my ranks. So, I mean, obviously, if you're a contender, I think you would prefer Ertz over McBride because you're going to get more of the, the production this year. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of upside with Ertz, too. I mean, would you be surprised if he outscored guys like TJ Hawkinson or even somebody like Dallas Goddard, who just got all this target competition from A.J. Brown this year? I mean... Looking at last season, Zach Ertz had 112 targets on the year, which was good for number three in the league. And DeAndre Hopkins is missing six weeks, like we we're just saying. So I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know. If you want the tight end production, I mean, Mitch talks about this all this all the time. So I'm just going to steal your thunder, man. Do it. Like punt on the rookie and take the vet who just signed a three year contract extension back in March. No, no, no man, That's, no. It's my standpoint <laughs> here. I, listen. I, I'm sure you guys knew exactly how I'd feel about this this conversation. Like, I am punting on every tight end that's in this conversation. Everyone that was in this rookie draft. McBride, you can put him wherever you want. 13, 15, 19, doesn't matter. I, I don't think that he's going to be useful this year. And, I, like, you know, maybe we'll get a glimpse into his talent. But I think Ertz is the guy there. So uh, you're going to have to wait no matter what. And yeah, John's so, over here shaking his head. I, I am absolutely shaking my head. <laughs> That's all right. What you got, John? Uh, I've got him as tight end 11. I love Trey McBride. I, I just want to say, in general, I love Trey, just so that's on the record. Well, I'm all, yeah, I'm all I mean, about Trey. Yeah. We, uh, but, <laughs> totally understandable. Do you want him to be your McBride? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, man, dude. I'm, I'm taken. Yeah, me Ooh. too, actually. I hope my wife doesn't hear this. Uh, no, I... I what I think is really funny to me is when we were doing the divisional stuff last summer and we were talking about Arizona, we didn't even talk about the tight end. We said there is no way a tight end is relevant in Arizona. And then Max Williams came. Max Williams. And then it was Zach Ertz after Max Williams got hurt. So there is potential here for the tight end possession, uh, position in Arizona, which is very exciting to me. And Trey McBride was far, far and above the best tight end in this class for me. So... What y'all just said about McBride, like, uh, Zach Ertz is going to be the guy this year. 
and Trey McBride's not going to be relevant. This is this is the same stuff we were saying about Fryermuth last year. I had Fryermuth in the top like top twelve last year, and y'all were like, "What are you What are you doing, John? What is this?" There is room in today's NFL for a guy like Trey McBride to be relevant in year one. So I I agree. Uh, Zacherts looked good last year. I kept discounting him, and he proved me wrong. But they took him in the second round for a reason, and it may not be this year. But I don't think you take Trey McBride in the first, in the second round and then expect. Zachers to be around for two years. So maybe it's not this year, but definitely 2023. I think I'm putting a big old circle around Trey McBride. I want him on my team. I want to stash him now before his price explodes. Unlike y'all. You know, I'm just looking at our tight end ranks right now and it's making me chuckle because there has always been this point of disagreement, you know, friendly disagreement between John and Mitch, right? John is like draft rookie tight ends in the third and fourth round, stash them, you know, wait for that value ascension. Mitch has always been like, fuck rookie tight ends, (laughs) you know, like buy a good tight end when you, when they prove themselves to be good. When you're ready, your team is ready. I don't think either one is worse than the other, but I'm looking at our ranks and John is definitely like he's got McBride the highest out of all of us. He's got Jelani Woods the highest out of all of us. He's got Greg Dulcich (laughs) the the highest out of all of us. Meanwhile, and I know it's probably because you didn't have time to get around to it. Mitch hasn't even ranked the rookie titles yet. (laughs) It was actually, it was somewhat intentional to prove a point. So I'm glad it was like well received. It's well received by me, man. I love how on Brandon is, you know. Um, So, okay, McBride kind of up there in the top 15 range. What about uh, the next two guys who are usually going to be Jelani Woods the freak athlete that the Colts drafted, and then uh, Greg Dulcich, who uh, went behind Albert O uh, to the Denver Broncos. Trey, how how are you kind of slotting uh, Woods and Dulcich into your ranks? Well, you know, I, I liked both of these guys uh, quite a bit before the draft. Uh, you know, Woods, because of his athleticism, um, which, you know, 10 out of 10 RAS score, uh, Dulcich wasn't a slouch with his uh, athleticism either. I think he was at 8.1 or something like that. So still very strong and an excellent producer at UCLA. So quite a lot of uh, receiving production, even though he may be a little bit more undersized. But you know what? We don't really care about uh, undersized tight ends that can't pass block as long as they can get on the field and get snaps and passing game, right? So um, I've got them uh, very close together in my ranks. I've got them at tight end 20 and 22. But in the startups um, that I've I've been in, I've only one completed so far this uh, this year. Woods went probably like three or four rounds before Dulcich did. So I do think yeah. Dulcich is going to present decent value later in drafts. He actually ended up on my squad in that twelve team startup I uh, I finished up last week. I've definitely gotten a lot more Dulcich in my rookie drafts than I have Woods because you can just get him a, a, a round later. And while I, I would prefer Woods, there's usually just running backs I'm taking in that area. And then Dulcich, I mean, arguably, um, you know, he, he I, I don't want to say that he's got like a clearer path to volume than Woods. Like Woods has a wide open path in Indianapolis as well. 
But I think like Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson, they're just as much of a stand-in together as Albert O potentially is in Denver, right? Because yeah. we're we're really projecting forward with Albert O. And on his limited snaps, he's commanded really good targets. But, you know, I, I don't think Dulcich and Woods should be that far apart. And, you know, I just want to flag, you know, because we haven't had a lot of nicknames uh, throughout this preseason and and kind of summer era like we did last year. Um, so I want to point out that I have come up with a nickname for Greg Dulcich as a shout out to our roots in Texas and Dulce de Leche. Um, his nickname is now Sweet Milk. And he's been getting a lot Sweet of milk, really, right. really good press uh, in the Denver press, right? So he's running sweet, sweet routes out there in Denver. Greg Dulcich, Sweet Milk. And Lock I, it in. I, I had to get Sweet Milk in one of these rookie drafts <laughs> we did recently because Trey totally snaked me. He took Jelani Woods, like the pick before me, and I took I took Sweet Milk. And I don't regret it because I think that... You should. I think that he is legitimately a better receiver than Albert O. And I think they're both going to see the field. Um, and I think that Sweet Milk is a nickname that we're going to be saying a lot next year. Like, hey... Can you believe how sweet that milk is and how <laughs> and how negative that O is? Uh, his blood type must be O negative. That's what we're going to say because we're going to be all about Greg Dulcich next year yeah, or maybe so, the year after. So before the, the playoff game last night, I was uh, watching uh, American Cornhole League on uh, ESPN2, which was, uh, it was, it was awesome entertainment, guys. And apologies for the aside here, but the winner... <laughs> was a professional who was with an amateur, which was the situation from uh, Jersey Shore. So I might take it a different route. I might go Greg Dull situation, uh, you know, a little <laughs> bit more Jersey Shore, especially if he shows up uh, uh, jacked and tan in training camp. If only he had gone to the Jets. <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> right. If only he had gone to Jersey. All right. Uh, and I just want to, before we kind of move into halftime, I want to flag Dan Bellinger who is my rookie tight end four, um, also a really good relative athletic score, um, was drafted in the early fourth by the Giants. So out of these four guys that I have ranked currently, and I only have like six rookie tight ends ranked, um, Dan Bellinger has a really good path to volume there with the departure of Evan Ingram. So, there you know, you. he's a, he's a guy that I've been getting in my fifth rounds of rookie drafts. All right, Mike check. It is halftime. Okay, so for today's halftime, because it's startup season, you know, we're going to stay on topic. And the question is, who is a player that you have removed from your startup draft board, even if they're maybe considered a value? So to be more precise, like who is a player that you, through your own evaluations, have priced yourself out of so far of? that like you probably will just never get a share. Like you're so priced out, you have him ranked so below the field that in any reasonable draft, you're not gonna end up drafting him. Uh, Mitch, we'll start with you. All right, well, I'm gonna break my own rules on this topic, but I'm gonna start with Antonio Gibson. I have him ranked at running back 14 out of respect for the man. Keep Trade Cut has him at 19. And I think he's a great talent and played through an injury he really shouldn't have last year. But I don't think, you know, deep down, I really have him ranked at running back 14. I have a few shares of him, and I really don't feel like the Washington football commies respect the man the way that I do. Like, 
Brain Robinson, he's there to vulture the tutties. J.D. McKissick, he's back to vulture the uh, touches out of the air. It makes me sad. And, you know, I hope he can overcome and carve out that fantasy role uh, that, that gets him some points. But uh, I can't say that he currently has my vote of confidence. And, you know, to cite our current startup draft, he is actually on the top of the keep or uh, he is on top of the sleeper queue and he's ranked 43 overall. And the next player is ranked 47 overall behind him, Cam Akers. And then it gets into the 56, 57, 59, 60 range. So I can tell I'm not the only one that feels that way, but Trey and I don't pick for another 10 picks. So I'm assuming we're priced out. We shall see. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's been sitting on the top of the queue for a while. Yeah, it's, it's funny, Mitch. It's like, who's a player that you're just priced out of? You have him ranked running back 14 and Keetrick has a 19. Mm-hmm. So you Five broke the rule, but... But I like how it was like a navel gazing exercise. You were like, man, I, I I don't feel like I actually have him running back 14. I love it. All right. Uh, I will go next. The the player I'm kind of priced out of is TJ Hawkinson. He's tied in five on keep trade cut and he's my tight end seven. And it's less about his tight end ranking than his overall ranking, which has him on keep trade cut ahead of guys like Elijah Moore, who we talked about earlier, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Rodgers in a super flex, which is batshit crazy Marquise Brown Rashad Bateman and just like numerous other players that I'm just not gonna draft over him and if you look at Adeko's ADP you know the the guy who who kind of scrapes ADP from sleeper paid sleeper leagues it tells a similar story right so keep trade cut and this other data point I like TJ Hawkinson you know I think he's very worthy of being a top eight tight end but I just don't think he's shown me enough in three years to prove that he's a stud tight end. And I think based on the players he's going around and going ahead of, you have to pay stud prices for him. And I'm just not going to do it. So TJ Hawkinson, I'm priced out. John, who's your guy? I think I'm going to make Trey sad here. Uh, so I apologize, Trey. I'm going with Travis Etienne, who is currently right uh, running back 16 on keep trade cut and running back 19 on DLF. I've got him at 21, which isn't far behind, but I feel like in the startups I've been in, there's always the Travis Etienne guy uh, who says, hey, he's a first round running back who finally gets to connect with his college quarterback on a team that just dumped their bad coach for an in, for an experienced one. So what could go wrong? I'm going to draft him, right? Well, I think, I, I Tarek, you mentioned it earlier, I'm, I'm very much a wait and see guy on a lot of these guys, and Travis Etienne's one of them. Uh, I I believe in the talent, but not enough to go and get him in the top 15, 16 running backs in a startup. So I think he's got potential, like he could get up there, but I'm not positive he's going to get there. So I'm more comfortable taking guys who have done it before, before him. And I'm just not going to ever going to, I'm never going to end up with him as a result because there's always going to be that guy who believes in the talent uh, more than I do. So yeah, s- sorry, Travis. No, no, John, I think that's uh, legit. He's at 17 for me, but uh, I'll probably be priced out too. I just, I don't have a ton of faith in that ranking. I think, uh, you know, the injury really, really uh, pushed him back and in my mind at least. So uh, there's a lot of risk there. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the, he's by all reports, he's like still not ready. Right. Yeah, so it, it's the injury is concerning. Like that Liz Frank is is not a fun injury. So. So all uh, 
finishes off here. Uh, the guy that I'm going to be completely priced out of is Amari Cooper, uh, who has changed teams to the Brownies. He's uh, made it up to wide receiver 30 on uh, keep trade cut, but he's outside my top 40 dynasty receivers. You know, last year he had an 18.8% target share and he had 22.6% targets per route run on the Cowboys, which is a higher passing volume offense. And both of those uh, metrics were outside the top 40 at the position. So I just don't see a 25% target share season in his range of outcomes and it's lower volume uh, passing attack. There's questions about his quarterback again now. So there's just so many other guys that are going in that wide receiver 30 range with more upside that I'll take every time guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Aaron Jones, Sky Moore, just to name a few. So Trey, if you knew that Deshaun Watson was starting week one, would you still have that same feeling about him? I mean, maybe he'd move up a spot or two, but you know, you don't win leagues uh, getting wide receiver twos, right? So uh, there's just other guys I want in that range. Sure. Okay. Let's kick off this second half. We're going to talk about running backs and quarterbacks who, you know, rookies that we incorporated into our overall positional ranks. So let's start with the running backs. This is the position that traditionally makes the quickest impact in dynasty And, you know, it may not be as top heavy as some other years, but we've discussed how it's very deep this year at running back, right? There's a lot of handcuffs coming in the league right now. So what do we think about these running backs as we kind of merge them with our overall ranks? So I'll kick us off. I mean, the the number one guy going off the board right now is Brees Hall. Uh, No, uh, no surprise there. And, uh, Keep trade cuts, got him all the way up to uh, running back five right now. And uh, I know I said on uh, previous episodes that, you know, one of the things I was going to try to do differently this year was look at uh, potentially being a little bit more aggressive on these rookie running backs, uh, you know, coming out of the um, the rookie season, you know, draft period and, and into startups. But I just can't put Brees Hall over guys like Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon just because I think they're all, you know, going to be top five running backs like locked in this season. And, you know, Brees Hall is currently projected to go in like the 15 to 20 range in uh, redraft league. So I don't know. I've got him as my running back eight because, you know, I still believe in the prospect and the upside there, but I would just prefer more of those, uh, those proven vets in a startup, especially when he's going in the second round of startups right now. And you can get somebody like Eckler, you know, one or two rounds later. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I have Brees Hall running back six. It's like when we started like doing the evaluations and Brees Hall murdered the combine, right? And he kind of went from being a really good prospect to like kind of an elite prospect with his production profile and his athleticism. I kind of immediately had him in my mind as running back six behind Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and Javante Williams. I had Brees Hall right there and the Brees Hall Javante Williams debate was kind of one that I was having with myself ultimately decided that Javante Williams has proven it on an NFL field he's on a really good run offense so I'm going to go with Javante Williams there but yeah like I it's interesting because I wanted to push you Trey a little bit on like your process adjustment because it was like I want to be more um I want to be more aggressive potentially right and Mitch, I'm going to go to you, but before I do, I want to ask Trey, do you feel like that bore out with any of the deeper guys? Like, did you find yourself more ahead of market on 
the James Cooks and Rashad Whites and Damian Pierces and Zamir Whites of the world? Or, or do you feel like it's just like you couldn't do it with this class like you thought you might be able to? Yeah, I mean, just even thinking back to last year, I probably had Najee Harris like, you know, around 12 or 13 right there with Travis Etienne. So I did actually go higher with Brees Hall, you know, and just hard numbers than yeah. uh, I did with, um, you know, those guys last year. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, certain guys like James Cook, Rashad White, uh, even Damian Pierce, they they are interesting uh, prospects. And they all kind of fell out in that 25 to 33 range just because, you know, it, it's almost like a, a dead zone there. And, uh, you know, if you can get Damian Pierce getting, you know, uh, 200 carries in his rookie year and then flip them for something more valuable, uh, you know, halfway through the year, then I think that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad move. Yeah, it's interesting. So you kind of have those players slotted in like a little bit ahead of like the priority handcuffs, right? right. Like over a guy like okay. Chase Edmonds or Rashad Penny. So I actually, I like where Brees Hall is going if he's going in the second in uh, startups. So yeah. John, Tarek, and I have him ranked at six. And I feel like he could ascend higher than that if he hits the ground running. Brees Hall can't even legally drink right now or smoke a cigarette for that matter. Like he's 20 years old. So, I mean, if he comes in and that offense is good, which they've been putting a lot of pieces into that offense, then the sky's the limit for Brees. So he's a do-it-all kind of back and I'm kind of getting on that train. So I can see it justified that he is taking over Austin Eckler because he is, what, six years younger? And it, it just makes sense. Kenneth yeah. Walker is the uh, the the point in the rankings where where I start to have questions, though, because he's ranked at number twenty for me, and he's ranked at twenty for Trey. But he's going really early in startups, like he's going before Saquon, uh, Acres, Dobbins, Etienne, Montgomery, and like. He's going before Dalvin Cook sometimes, and that's pretty elite company. And we just talked about guys that I'm priced out of. I think if that's his price, then I'm not going to have many shares of uh, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I think I've that. That's kind of like the running back landmine zone to me. Uh, the J.K. Dobbins, the David Montgomerys. I put him right be- behind J.K. Dobbins and David Montgomery. I've got him at running back sixteen. Because I feel like Seattle's committed to the run, so they're going to play him. So I feel a little bit better than, say, an Elijah Mitchell or a Josh Jacobs. But I'm kind of with you there. Like, it feels like he's going early. Like, it feels like he could be a running back one. But it's not clear because it feels like Rashad Penny could be that guy as well because he was that guy at the end of last season. So the question is, how committed are they to the run and is Drew Locke actually a quarterback that can facilitate a run game that's going to be successful? I don't know. Um, I, I I think I'm with Carson's you. Carson's still there, right? Uh, well, he, Carson is probably he might he might be he broken. Might be dead. Yeah, yeah. John, I think we can answer a few of those questions right here and now. Which uh, let's do it, know, Trey. Drew Drew Locke is not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. A right and B. Like, yeah, they are going to establish it. That's what you know. Pete Carroll does. It's why Russell Wilson's playing for another team now. You know, and they never like had more success in the postseason than what they did the one Super Bowl. So, look, I Kenneth Walker's going way too high, and you know you can see it in what uh, Tarek was able to do by flipping him for uh, a twenty twenty three first and uh, 
one yeah, of our rookie nice. drafts we did. Yeah, great. and Terry and Davis Price. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, like, so he's running back 13 on keep trade cut. And, you know, while John is the high man at running back 16, we are all below market there. And, you know, Jesus. Yeah. He's 13 on keep Too trade cut. High. So, you know, that's aggressive, right? Um, I, I think it's just like, you know, we don't know if a two down, 210 pound grinder right, is going to be able to add pass catching to his profile. And I think what running back 13 indicates is that the market thinks it is going to happen. Not that it is possible that it happens, that it's going to happen. So so you know what's interesting is we're actually, we have a 50-50 split right here of Kenneth Walker versus Travis Etienne, right? So I'm on team pass catching running back here. I'm still believing in my my guy Etienne, whereas John and Mitch, they've, uh, you know, they're they're taking – the Seattle guy, the Seattle rookie. Well, Seattle has showed that they can they can run the ball and they can establish that and they can make Rashad Penny relevant. So, you know, if they're if he's the successor to Rashad Penny, then I don't know. And my my point is more along the I like James Robinson lines here. So <laughs> eh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Like earlier we had we had mentioned Travis Etienne in halftime because John is out on him. And what I didn't say is like I, you know, I'm kind of with Trey. I have Etienne at running back 16. Um, so I'm like a little bit ahead. I'm like low-key a Travis Etienne guy, right? But uh, in in the in the in the draft, the startup we're currently in, me and John are co-managing, and I didn't even bring it up. I was like, I'm not. L- luckily, Travis Etienne went right before our pick, but I wouldn't have even asked John. Like, I, I noticed that uh, I removed him from the queue, and you put him back in. I'm glad that he went. I'm glad that he went before we had to have that conversation. I like how I, I wouldn't even ask. I'd put him in the queue, but I wouldn't even ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, he's just got in case he falls like an extra round or something. You got to keep him in the queue you know <laughs> all right uh so we you know again we kind of talked about these top guys uh i'm, I'm interested in uh l- let's maybe go past the rashad white damian pierce tier and let's talk a little bit about like there's a grouping of either third round guys in murky situations like brain robinson or there's like some intriguing fourth round guys like zamir white and isaiah spiller fifth round guy and tyler algier right like there's Tyrion Davis Price like who went in the third round but it's a murky situation right so how how is this tier shaking out for you because it is a clump of running backs and rookie drafts right it's like all that like mid to late second round into the early third but i think you could take it a lot of different directions when you incorporate them into the rookie ranks or i mean the the overall running back ranks right and and for me i think I, i'm fairly close with most of the other guys on here. I've got Zamir White kind of starting out around running back 40 and then all of my running backs in that range down to like Kyron Williams, uh they're kind of spread out between 40 and and 60, you know, in in that area, but one of the ones that's kind of interesting to me that I thought was a a, a kind of a d- interesting decision point was the uh Atlanta running backs, right? So you've got the 5th round rookie Tyler Algier and you've got Cordero Patterson, who's an old man, but kind of set the world on fire last year. It's like, is that the ultimate contender versus rebuilder rank? Or are we like <laughs> totally wrong here? And should Algier be, you know, higher than Cordero Patterson in every format? Because I think all four of us agree it's still Patterson today. I agree with you. I 
I'm on Team Cordero Patterson all day with this one simply because he is a weapon. Like, I, it's not a running back or a wide receiver. He's got touches and both running back, wide receiver. So I, I think his role is his role. And Tyler Algier should get, like, the plotter role, like that first down running back role. Maybe he's a fifth-round pick, though. But, I think... Yeah. I, I Yeah, I think what we... You know, he's Tyler Algier running back 39 and keep trade cut. I have him 52. I like Tyler Algier. I like Tyler Algier's profile. I like where he landed. Dude is a fucking fifth round pick. Okay, so I am not ruling out the possibility that Damian Williams takes first and second down work away from Tyler Algier. I'm not ruling out the possibility that Tyler Algier never plays. Right. So. Maybe 52 is a little bit low, but I think there's too much optimism ab- around Algiers situation, given that he's a fifth round pick. I, I agree with you that there's too much optimism. I think all of our ranks kind of show that we don't and that we aren't super optimistic that he's going to be the guy like Trey has him at 44. I'm at 49. Uh, John has him at 47. Like, these are handcuff level running backs at this point. Yeah. So, right. you know, it, he's where he is because we have no idea what this guy's going to look like in Atlanta or what Atlanta's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Give me for, personally, I want Zamir White. I want Isaiah Spiller. Same. I, I want uh, Tyrion Davis Price over the fifth round pick. But um, the other thing I'll say, you know, and if, if y'all have any more running back notes, uh, feel free. I mean, one thing doing this exercise flagged for me, and it's not surprising at all, given uh, how much I've stand this guy, but uh, Khalil Herbert, a target for me. Like, I really, really like how Khalil Herbert is kind of becoming a value as more and more of these rookie running backs enter the ranks and slot in ahead of him. So I'd essentially be willing to trade any of these guys that kind of profile as a handcuff, like Zamir White, for instance. Like, give me the Khalil Herbert share, who is a really good handcuff and did ball out, you know, when he got the opportunity with David Montgomery in a contract year. So, uh, you know, not necessarily surprising because I'm a Khalil Herbert fan, but that's just one thing I wanted to flag. Like, maybe uh, as these rookies came in, uh, you could look at Khalil Herbert as a potential buy. I'll, I'll go ahead and flag Hassan Haskins, and uh, a few of you may know at home that I'm a Titans fan, but this is really? kind of what I was banging the table for uh, pre-draft on that episode was a running back similar to Henry and like somebody like uh, Deonta Foreman, where we've seen like was fantasy gold out of nowhere, right? So Henry coming off the injury, hopefully he doesn't get hurt again, but... Hassan Haskins has a clear path to some fantasy relevance in the good Tennessee Titan rushing offense. Yeah, I think if... Where do uh, you... Uh, oh, yeah, go sorry. ahead. I'm at 52. Yeah, and I, I think what I noticed is player profiler had him down at uh, 68. And so I'm ahead, but I'm not like, you know, booking this guy ahead of Zamir White or... TDP right. Haskins like is he's running back 60 on keep trade cut. So yeah, you're a little bit ahead, but I think it makes sense. I, I mean, they, they clearly, yeah, they clearly made, uh, uh, they really wanted somebody to come in who could thump behind Derrick Henry. So I, I think it's fair. Okay. Final position we're going to talk about today. And that's the quarterbacks. 
you know, we all play Superflex. That's the standard now. The most important position in Superflex Dynasty, obviously the quarterback. And yet this is like the worst quarterback class, especially post-draft, you know, since I knew Dynasty Fantasy Football was a thing, right? So big disappointment in terms of the draft, but how did you slot in these quarterbacks considering that everybody outside of Kenny Pickett was, you know, in the third round or later? I'll go ahead and take this one. And it was a difficult task to say the least. Kenny Pickett was the easiest for me. And I'm actually like pretty far ahead of market on uh, where he is. I have him at quarterback 17 and holy shit. You're ahead of me. Yeah. I had a John. Uh, what? what a weird, weird world we're in. What? And so it's higher than market. And it may not seem that much higher, but it's a big difference in startups. And so, like, right now he's behind guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, respectively. But he's ahead of older dudes like David Carr, Tua Tugovailoa, Ryan Tannehill. And uh, he's to be clear, in your ranks, not in, the, in my ranks, in, correct? In the market yes. ranks. And admittedly, this is a bit of an overranking, and that's its purpose because um, I haven't seen what he's got in the NFL, but I do know that he got the perfect landing spot, which is the Steelers. He was the first quarterback off the board. The Pitt to Pittsburgh thing, I think they're going to groom their guy, and he's surrounded by talent on offense with Claypool, Pickens, Deontay. And hell, I mean, fantasy points. He could toss the ball to Najee like Big Ben did last year. So I think the only way that you can assure that you're going to land Pickett in a startup is being more aggressive than your league mates, which is why I'm flagging him at quarterback 17. I I love it. I I can't believe you're ahead of me. Uh, I've got him at uh, quarterback 18. Uh, So, yeah, I'm right there with you, Mitch. He, He came in at quarterback 22 for me. But I see the argument, right, to have him ahead of guys like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and potentially even Mac Jones just because Kenny Pickett, you know, offers a little bit of mobility versus Mac Jones. I see the argument. I'm not going to do it. I see Trey exasperating. He's super happy that he's uh, co-managing that team with me at this very moment in time. it's, this isn't the point, but you are disrespectfully low on Mac Jones. Like that, there's no <laughs> no justification for him outside the top twenty. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that to be clear, you mean Mitch. I have Mac Mitch. Jones at quarterback seventeen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, you're you're all the way up at quarterback thirteen. Wait, wait. Pause. <laughs> Mac Jones at quarterback thirteen. I, that's probably close to market value, right, Trey? Like, tell me what I'm missing with Mac Jones. Well, I mean, he came in and he was the best rookie quarterback last year. Like, and it it wasn't even close. You know, he he led a, a playoff team. Like, he led a, a you know a, a decently potent passing attack. Like, I know it's a run heavy team, but he was effective. You know, and I think yeah, uh, he was getting Pro Bowl votes at the end of the year. So, like, this is a guy that like is not in risk of like losing his job anytime soon if you want to focus on the downside and the upside is you know solid QB2 production like year in year out whereas Kenny Pickett is a guy who may not be good you know like he he may not even start over Mitchell Trubisky like week 1 right so i i, I don't have any <laughs> I, I have no there's no way i'm taking Kenny Pickett before Mac Jones like a guy who's proven it uh, one year already in the league. I I totally agree with that. There's no way you take Kenny Pickett above Mac Jones. But to say that there's no way that Kenny Pickett is starting week one is ridiculous. Uh, Kenny Pickett is better than is Mitchell it? Trubisky. 
Is it ridiculous? Kenny Pickett I mean, is better than Mitchell Trubisky. They're both coming into a new offense, year one, and Kenny Pickett is more prepared for that offense than Mitchell Trubisky is. We I see, guarantee we you see that. guys get drafted a lot higher than Kenny Pickett did at 20 overall, have to sit on the bench for a year or two, you know? Trey, Trey, okay. What if, like, remember Mac Jones, there was a question as to whether or not he was going to be able to beat Cam Newton out last year. So what if early in training camp, not necessarily, obviously they're not going to cut Mitchell Trubisky like they did with Cam (laughs) Newton. But what about early in training camp? If it's like Kenny Pickett is our starting quarterback, make you, I mean, you have him right behind Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, you know, other players, right? So would that help you move him up? Or are you still like, dude, I don't know if he's good. Well, you know, maybe I would move him above the guys like Rodgers and Brady who are just one-year rentals at this point. But um, I mean, Carr and Cousins, they still have like multiple year careers ahead of them. Whereas, you know, we we don't know with Pickett yet. So yeah, um, if he had gone like top 10, you know, where he was getting mocked in certain places to a team like Atlanta or Carolina, you know, maybe I'd think differently, but he went outside the top 15 guys. But, no, that's that's not right, because Pittsburgh <laughs> was the perfect situation. If he got top mm-hmm. 10, that would actually be worse for him. Mm-hmm. This is this is the optimal situation for Kenny Pickett. If he had gone top 10, I would be less inclined to take him as in the in the top uh, 15 of quarterbacks here. So, Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, well, you got a point, John. So he wasn't my quarterback one, and we'll talk about my quarterback one pre-draft next but Kenny Pickett landed in that situation and that's really what it is for me it's the perfect situation and I agree I think that he'll beat Mitchell Trubisky out as well and like I said I think they're going to groom him David Carr is a career quarterback too uh Mac Jones which is what you hope Kenny Pickett may be that's true I mean that's true look guys I'll I'll put money on it right now like uh Trubisky will be the week one starter Okay. I think that's a good bet. I, I I will moderate the bet. John, are you going to take that bet with Trey? I think Kenny Pickett is the week one starter only because uh, Mitchell Trubisky is learning this playbook at the same time that Pickett is. And I think Pickett is prepared to start in the NFL. So yeah, I don't know what this, I don't know what the, the odds are. I don't know what the, what the stakes, the stakes are, but yeah, I would take that bet for sure. All right. We'll, we'll sort that okay. out later. Can we talk about Malik Willis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Malik Willis, he's quarterback two in our overall ranks for Mitch, myself, and uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, because, John, you've got Matt Corral ahead of Malik Willis, and Trey's got Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral ahead of Malik Willis. So, Mitch, as the high guy on Malik Willis here, uh, talk to us about you know where he slotted in for you. Well, he's slotted in at quarterback 25, and that's real high, and I and I understand that. Now, if I am planning on contending, then I, that's probably not where I'm drafting him. I'm probably going to take the uh, that Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan range, but 25 is ahead of Matt Ryan, <clears throat> Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Davis Mills, players like that, as where... You know, we know what we're getting with those players. Malik Willis is that wild card. And, <clears throat> you know, all it takes is uh, an injury to Tannehill, and he's and he's on the field. And if he's on the field, he's going to be fantasy gold. Now, they've already announced that Tannehill's the starter. That's not, that's not the issue here. Malik Willis isn't going to compete for that job this year. But there is an out next year 
if the if the Titans want to tell Tannehill to kick rocks, and if it has any sort of Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, like play out here, then you're going to be getting Malik Willis at a major, major discount. So 25, like I said, I mean, if you're not competing, what good is Matt Ryan or Jared Goff to you anyway? I would take the massive upside on Malik Willis instead. FYI, uh, I think I disagree with you, Mitch, about there being an out next year for Tannehill. He's still got an $18.8 million dead cap next year, and that's pretty significant. So I wouldn't necessarily call that an out, but if they really wanted to move on, they could. Yeah, and the thing for me is uh, I'm, I'm looking more at opportunity for these guys. So you saw it last year with some of the guys like uh, Mond and Trask and uh, and Mills who went in the second and third round. Like the only one who we know anything about today is the one who actually had the opportunity to play, which is Davis Mills. And he, he stepped in, and he did well, and he accrued a bunch of value. Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral you know, there may not be great quarterbacks, but they are going to get an opportunity to compete and get playing time in year one. I don't think we can count on that from Malik Willis whatsoever. So I would I would rather have the liquidity of Ritter and Corral and potentially know what you're going to get in them versus Willis, who's just a stable asset over the course of uh, at least a year, if not more. I think if you got to put odds on the three of them, who has the best chance to see playing time, it's Corral for sure. I think you're right there. I think you've got a point. And I think the Panthers are going to realize that real soon, which is why I have Corral as my QB too. Uh, I don't think the Panthers are any good. And I'm not sure Corral has the potential to be their quarterback the following year. But I think there's a real good path for Corral having fantasy relevance this year. So when he hits, I'm looking to try and flip him for whatever I can get. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's going to have a lot more value than whatever Willis has right now. Sure. And if Willis ever finds himself starting, though, that's that's where the real value is. I mean, you can get a king's ransom for a quarterback like that if he's if he ascends to uh, like top 10 quarterback. Yeah. Well, so again, like, you know, for this is a, a heuristic. I don't know if I've talked about it on the pod or not before, but I would say like the injury risk of like a running back any given time getting hurt is probably about like 25%, maybe higher. For a quarterback, it's way lower than that. It's probably like in the 5 to 10% range, right? So you don't expect a guy like Willis to see the field at all unless they're, you know, Tannehill, the starter, is really, really struggling, right? We know with Mariota and with uh, Darnold, these are not proven guys, right? And they're at a very high risk of losing their job. I, we, let's project them 50-50 chance to maintain the job over the whole year that is like a much, much higher possibility yeah. that we see these other guys and we know who they are and we get some liquid, liquid value out of them versus Willis, who is probably still going to be in an unknown uh, 12 months from now. That does remind me, Trey, uh, we did find out who Kellen Mond was last year from Mike Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> we got all we needed we to know yeah. from Mike Zimmer last year. You know, I we've gestured to Davis Mills, right? So I just want to like walk down memory lane a little bit because we saved our pre 2021 season ranks last year. So I looked back at 2021 preseason me, Mitch and Trey had Davis Mills around quarterback 35 and John had him down at quarterback 48, right? 
So with Corral and Ritter, they are kind of the third round quarterback that have clear paths to playing time this year. Like, let's talk specifically about where we're ranking them, knowing that we had Davis Mills somewhere between low end quarterback three and kind of quarterback five. Well, right. So, so, so are, are, are we going to be more aggressive this time? Right. And let's give Davis Mills a ton of credit. He came in, he played actually pretty decently. Yeah, right? yeah. So second best rookie quarterback. Yeah. Last yeah. Year. Arguably. Right. So I think, um, you know, he, that's not common at all. And that should not be what we expect for third round rookies. Right. So mm-hmm. let's remember that that's unusual and kind yeah, of an outlier outcome. Ritter and Corral both come with uh rushing ability, which Mills mm-hmm. does not have at all. Right. So there's built in upside there. Um, that I think we also saw more of them play against like, or we saw them play more against high level competition. Like, you know, Ritter led his team to the college football playoff corral competed against sec competition every year. Mills was like almost less than one season of a starter at Stanford. So we have a little bit more data to, to place bets on Ritter and corral than we did on Mills a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Desmond Ritter, you know, led his team to the college football playoffs and then, absolutely crumbled when he faced real competition sounds so. <laughs> sounds like uh marcus mariota to me man they're gonna have a good time together you say that yeah. but a lot of people crumble against uh the bama and georgias of the world well, yeah, i yeah, mean georgia true. has like an nfl defense so that's fair okay and then uh, last thing you know because <laughs> once upon a time sam howell was my quarterback too in this class uh he <laughs> fell to, to the fifth round, I, I had him slotting out at quarterback 39, and that is currently sandwiched between Sam Darnold uh, and Cam Newton and Gardner Minshew. Oh, I don't even know why. disgusting sandwich. So, oh, my God. Yeah, and I actually drafted Sam Howell in the late third of a rookie draft. So, you know, like any where where did Sam Howell, the fifth round pick, but behind a guy who we all universally dislike outside of John uh, in Carson Wentz, right? Like that's another guy that has some paths to playing time, but you know, I, I, it's obviously different because fifth round pick versus third and Carson Wentz, the 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 commies just paid up for him, overpaid for him. Yeah, Sam Howell for me came out as quarterback forty one. I feel like that's gratuitous. I don't think he's going to ever see the field because Carson Wentz (laughs) is the man. He is the commander of commanders. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a crazy person. Go ahead and put him on your taxi squad and hope it ain't going to happen, though. Would you would you say he's the czar because he's the leader of the communists? He's (laughs) the leader of the communists. He's the czar. Is that a reach? I don't know if that's historically accurate. The supreme leader. I think. I think the. I think the czar uh, definitely preceded communism. Uh, <laughs> but well, I am a history yeah. buff, so. <laughs> I think what the communists wanted to do was get rid of the czar. <laughs> well, that's why they got Sam Howell. Then there you go. Hey, it's full circle, I everybody. I don't think so. Full circle. On on that note, <laughs> uh, that does it. For episode 55 of the Long Communism Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Uh,